0: sure that, that you're aware of. Uh, first off is that there's a, a neat missions opportunity the, f- to, to do VBS in Utah with Jason and Nicole Queering. There's a, a group of people uh, that are, are headed out from here to, uh, yeah, to do a VBS in, uh, in Utah. And so if you're interested in, in helping out with that, uh, there's still space for that. If you even want to go just as an intercessor, uh, we could probably be talked into that. And um, it's going to be the same VBS that, that we're doing here with, with the Everest one, so it uh, should be you know, pretty familiar doing, doing the exact same one. So kind of a, a neat opportunity with that. If you are interested, if you have more questions, that kind of thing, uh, talk to either uh, Joanne or Christine Queering, and they'll get you uh, squared away. Uh, secondly, in connection with that, um, you know, the, the garage sale is happening, the, big, or, you know, the community-wide garage sale is happening this Saturday. And uh, so what we're doing is we're going to sell, from 11 to 1, we're selling lunch. And it's a fundraiser for this VBS missions trip. Chuck is going to make some of this famous pulled pork tenderloin thing. There'll be chips and a pop, and uh, so you can get a great lunch there. So, um, at the, yeah, and it's at the shelter, uh, at the, what do we call that thing? The Lakeview Park Shelter. I, I just call it the one by my house, but... Maybe you don't know where I live, so, but it is Henderson, so you probably do. Um, anyway, so, uh, so that's going on next Saturday. Um, there's uh, some details in, in the uh, bulletin. Uh, we are looking for some more uh, desserts, like bars, that kind of thing. We're looking to have about 200 portions available to sell. So, I mean, if you just want to do all 200 yourself, if you're into that, that's fine. Uh, or if you want to get together with somebody, then do it. There's, I mean, that's not cheating. You can do that as well, too. So. And then Joanne ha- is going to share a little bit about the upcoming camp weekend. Uh,
1: this is something we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. And there's an insert in your bulletin, but I just wanted to highlight a few things. And a um, couple weeks ago, uh, Je- Chad and Jessica, Jeb and Nicole... Luke and myself and nine kids went to Timberlake Grants to just check it out and see if it would be a great place for our families to, and our church to go to. And the kids decided, yes, let's do this. <laughs> so there they are um, on um, at the lake kind of exploring around. It's a great property. There's a ton of things to do. So we're really excited. It's in two weeks. We're not going to have church here. We're going to be out at Timberlake. So it's going to cover two days, so Saturday through Sunday, and uh, you can go to the next slide. So Timberlake is just, most of you probably know where it is, some of you probably went to camp there growing up, but it's about 35 minutes from Henderson, so not too far away, so you could come Saturday night and go home if you don't want to stay there, but we do have lodging to stay there, Uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit, overnight, um, so, and then you can come back Sunday or you could just come on one of those days if that fits with your schedule too. Go ahead to the next slide. We have a kind of tentative schedule here. and uh, we're kind of starting at three o'clock on Saturday. You can come explore around, get set up. And at six o'clock, um, Chad is gonna be doing a brisket dinner for us, so, If nothing else, come out for that, because it's going to be really good. And uh, then we'll have some games in the evening and campfire and s'mores later on, and then you can stay the night, you can go home, whatever works best for your schedule. Sunday we'll start, we'll have breakfast, and then start um, at 10.30 with kind of the same time as our normal church service. So um, there will be transportation, we're still working that out, but if you... Uh, don't feel comfortable coming on your own or need some transportation from here in Henderson, we're going to work that out so you can um, get a ride to the camp uh, by 10.30 that morning. And we're also having baptisms that morning. So Lydia and Taylor will be baptized at the camp, which is going to be really neat. And then uh, we'll have a lunch and uh, kind of spend the afternoon there till about 3.00. Uh, we need to be kind of packed up and ready to leave because the new campers come in by 3. But we'll, we're we're hoping to do some swimming and uh, rent the blob, which is, the kids probably know what that is, the huge water trampoline. So it'll be entertaining for all, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, you can go to the next slide. There's two options for lodging. If you guys want to stay overnight, you can do, uh, this is a picture of the fort, and that's where, We have reserved currently, I think, three cabins, so um, they each have, I think, ten beds in them, and there's air conditioning and a full bathroom in the cabins, so you can do that. We'll make those arrangements. I'm going to send a sign-up sheet around for that, and the other option, if you would like, you can uh, have an RV site or just tent out at the RV site, so if you're brave and want to do that, there is a bathhouse. I think, available at that area as well. So, um, go go to the next one. I think, oh, these are just some of the activities. There's a petting zoo, canoeing, fishing, disc golf, swimming, and lots, lots more. The kids really love the petting zoo. They have a lot of great animals there, so we're pretty excited. All right, well, um, there's already several families signed up, and we have probably about 40 people already committed to spending the night so if you want to join the fun we'd love to have you and i think we're going to make a lot of great memories so i'm going to go ahead and send this around just so we can get an idea we need to have kind of commitments so we can reserve our lodging and uh, you can say if you're able to come on saturday for the meal and then overnight or just on sunday morning so thanks a lot hope to see you there
2: Right, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? All right, let's prepare ourselves for worship right now. I'd like to read Galatians 3.29. And now you belong to Christ. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And now all the promises God gave to him belong to you. Isn't that wonderful that we have all the promises that God gave to Abraham now belong to us? Would you stand and let's worship together and just praise God this morning for all that he's given us. i right. I'm not afraid to first for
0: please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would calm our hearts, still our minds, that we would be able to hear from you, Lord. Lord, some of us this morning carry weights or heavy burdens, whether for ourselves or for others, but we just come way, we, we arrive way down this morning, so Lord, we just lay those at your feet. grieved you in any way this week. Search our hearts and know us, O God. Is there any offensive way within us? We ask that you you would reveal that to us. Our desire is to be in right relationship with you. have grieved you, please accept our our prayers of apology and repentance. Lord, we pray for those around us. We pray for uh, those in our family that might not know you. for those in our family that, um, that need to grow closer to you. Lord, we pray for this church, for those that we were aware of suffering physical ailments, that you would heal and restore them
1: miraculously.
0: Community face the threat of flooding. We pray for McCool and others who are, who are threatened by floodwaters as we speak. pray for the missionaries. We pray for Jason and Nicole as they return from an exhilarating week at camp. We pray for... Kenton and Kedron as they engage in church planning in Berlin. We uh, pray for the Rogists as they uh, engage in church planning and ministry in Paris. we pray for our country and for our leaders. That our leaders would follow you and that our our country would honor you in all its ways. Lord, we want to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice to you. ladies. So we are marching through the book of Ephesians and uh, really viewing it through three distinct lenses. Uh, The first three chapters of Ephesians, uh, how does that speak to our identity? Key word there, being uh, seated. Uh, What does it mean to be seated in Christ? And so Ephesians 1 to 3 talks about our identity in Christ. And so Paul is laying that as the foundation. And I've been told that actually, if you look at a lot of Paul's letters, the first part of the letter deals with your identity in Christ. And then the second part of the letter will deal with stuff around, uh, you know, how you should behave, actions, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it's more kind of the first half is a little bit of the being, and then the second half is more the doing. And so similar pattern here. So Ephesians 1, 2, 3, your identity seated in Christ. Ephesians 4, 5, a little bit of 6, keyword there is walk. What does it mean to walk in the world? What does it mean to walk with others, and, uh, brothers and sisters? So there's, there's more uh, instruction on how we interact with each other, how we interact with the world. Third part, stand. Uh, last part of Ephesians 6, how we stand against the enemy. And there's some instructions on dealing in kind of the spiritual realm stuff. And so what does it mean to, be, to, to stand against the enemy? So kind of our three words, to, to sit, to walk, and to stand. So, was looking at today's passage, today we're in Ephesians 3, we're in verses 1 to 13. And, uh, you know, every so often you read a verse and you just think, I have no idea what that means. Like, I just, I got nothing. Um, For me, this past week, that was Ephesians 3.10, and it reads like this. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Right. Uh, okay. You know, you know, I've read verses like that before, you know, or verses that are just really boring. You know, I, I don't know if I can say the parts of the Bible are boring, but I'm thinking of genealogy mainly. Maybe just pretend I didn't say that. So, but, you know, I've read parts of Scripture before where I didn't understand it or it wasn't super exciting. And it was easy because I'd just skip over it and go to, like, the fun stuff. Um, but i found that when you're preaching exegetically, you really don't get that freedom to just kind of bail on certain verses. And uh, and so I, I was looking at this and I was just like, what is, I mean, what does this even mean? So, the like, why? Why is the church needed or why is the church showing God's wisdom to the to the heavenly realms like why does that need to happen Uh, how like how does that even happen like how does what you and I do here make a statement in in the heavenly realms like I don't I did I you know um you know it talks about rulers and authorities I mean are we talking like The good team or the bad team or both right i mean like who who is this proclamation going out to and uh so i was confused and i had questions and so i thought you know i i'm gonna email a guy there um his name's steve he lives kind of he lives in seattle i haven't spoken with him in over a year um but he's just a wise guy and he knows scripture really well and, and he walks close with god and so i sent him an email uh no idea if what would happen? So I sent him an email and I said, you know, here's this verse and I don't get it. And what do you think it means? And uh, and he sent a reply and it was, it was very good. It was great to hear from him again and kind of catch up a little bit. Uh, I had asked him what he's been up to and he named a few things and then 14 different countries uh, in the last 11 months. You know, I was like, Steve, you're ridiculous. And, um, but anyways, and, you know, he gave me some good insight and, and just some good stuff. But one of the things that, that happened... And I don't know if he intended this or not, um, but he, he kind of put me on this treasure hunt around the word mysteries. See, v- v- Scripture is full of treasures. And every so often, someone's going to give you a clue. And it's kind of like step one on a treasure hunt. And if you just track it down, it's, just, it's fascinating what you encounter, right? Uh, that happened for me once around the word darkness. Darkness in the Old Testament and the New Testament has drastically different implications. And what do you do with the three hours of darkness when Christ was being crucified? So there's a clue. Go hunt that down sometime. Um, But so Steve gave me a clue about this word mystery. And you see, verse 10 is somewhat explained by verse 9. The reason that the church serves to display the manifold wisdom of God and to display it to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places is because, in verse 9, boy, reading stuff in context, who knew, right? So in verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. So for ages, and, and I suppose if you're God, ages is, is, is big, So for ages, God had a plan, but it was a secret plan. Uh, It was a mystery to everyone else but himself. But when God revealed the plan or revealed the mystery, it served to display his wisdom to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Well, so then the next question is, so what's the mystery? I mean, what's the secret that he had been revealed, you know, but that's been kept secret for ages, but now revealed by God? I mean do you know what the mystery is you don't have to respond just kind of in your head like do you feel like you have a good grasp on what the mystery is we probably should because according to paul in first corinthians 4 1 this is how one should regard us as servants of christ and stewards of the mysteries of god in the immediate context paul is referring to himself and another worker by the name of apollos but if you follow this word all throughout mysteries you actually see that really this applies to the entire church that you could almost sum up our church kind of you know if we wanted like kind of a, a a a new banner or something like that you know to put on the church sign you know this this is what we're about as a church you could actually say we're about two things jesus and the mysteries of god So, next question, though, is how many of you notice that mysteries is plural? So we're not just dealing with one, the mysteries of God. When when you look through four mysteries throughout Scripture, particularly the New Testament, you see that several books of the New Testament identify mysteries, but you also see that different books identify different mysteries. Some are really close; they're just kind of nuanced differences, and some are just some totally, drastically different. They're just kind of a standalone topic, not at all related. Depending on how you count them, there could be more than half a dozen mysteries that are revealed in the New Testament, of which you and I are stewards. Um, and l- let me kind of clarify one thing here bef- before we go on. Christianity is not a religion of secrets, all right? Or like secret knowledge or secret handshakes or secret clubs or, or that kind of thing, right? So when we speak of mysteries, what we're actually speaking of is mysteries revealed. Okay, this is not information that, that we hoard and guard and keep to ourselves. It was a mystery. Really, we're talking about the revelation of that mystery, the proclamation of the, of the revelation of that um, mystery, um, in fact, the, uh, the founders of the MB denomination were so cautious about secrets that they actually built into the confession of faith that we don't participate in the secret societies. So, this is when we talk about mysteries, we're not, we're not talking about secrets. We're talking about the revelation that God has kept to himself for a long time, and now he's making it public. And us as stewards, part of our role... Is, is making these mysteries public. So, uh, back to the topic of mysteries. Um, as, I, as I began to study this, I also found fascinating reference to mysteries that I had seen before, but not really understood before. For instance, 1 Corinthians 13 is often called the love chapter. And so we read it at weddings and other lovey-dovey stuff about love is nice and polite and kind and puts up with you and all this other kind of stuff. But, If you look at it in context, 1 Corinthians 13 is actually about spiritual gifts and understanding that for spiritual gifts, you have to have a foundation of love. Otherwise, the best expression of your spiritual gift is worthless. And so as he segues into 1 Corinthians 13, he gives some examples of how without love, your your wonderful spiritual gift is worthless. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. When Paul spoke of mysteries in 1 Corinthians 13, he wasn't just pulling some word out of the thesaurus because he was needing to fill space. He had actual mysteries in mind that he was referencing. The word mysteries in 1 Corinthians is very intentional. This week I've realized really more than ever um, that mysteries now revealed is a prominent way that the Bible describes the Christian faith. Uh, In today's passage, a mystery is a dominant thought for the first half. Uh, The first six verses, we'll look at the whole first half here. Uh, Ephesians 3 verses 1 to 6. You can feel free to, to read along if you want. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known, not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So in those first few verses, Paul tells us a couple things. Uh, First, he tells us that, that this mystery was made known to him by Revelation, right? Paul was a smart guy. He was well-educated. He was well-trained. He had a pretty good resume. But he's very careful to not take credit for this. Um, It wasn't something he had figured out. It wasn't something that he had deduced or that he, you know, he had somehow cracked the Old Testament code. This was something that he knew only because God revealed it to him, okay? It was by revelation. So when God wanted the mystery revealed... He chose the when and the how of its revelation, and he handpicked people to spread the word or the news about this, this revelation. He also says that it was not made known as it has now been revealed. It's kind of one of the interesting things is that the Old Testament has a lot of prophecies about Jesus. A lot of prophecies about Jesus. And yet for some reason when Jesus came... A lot of people, particularly the Israelites, who understood these prophecies better than ever, anyone, when Jesus came, the Israelites missed it. And you go, how did they, how did they miss it? You know, I mean, this was kind of the big thing that they were looking out for, right? And it, and it's one of the things is that they didn't realize that there were two comings. That Jesus came once and did some work, and he's going to come again. Um, but somehow, the, they, they still missed the they still miss Jesus. But it's almost like God the Father gave some of these prophecies in the Old Testament, but He didn't fully allow people to understand them until Christ came and, and did His thing. Uh, Apostle also names this mystery, uh, or th- this mystery that, that's revealed, and that's that Gentiles—that's so pretty much you and I—are fellow heirs; we're members of the same body; we're partakers of the promise in, in Jesus through the gospel. Uh, the mystery revealed is that both Jews and Gentiles could become the people of God. Folks, back in the day, animosity between people groups was amazingly high. Um, like today, we're, we're very kind of in a political correctness, uh, which is fine. But back then, just the thinking would have shocked you. Uh, William Barclay writes this. He goes, the fundamental sin of the ancient world was contempt. The Jews despised the Gentiles as worthless in the sight of God. At worst, they existed only to be annihilated. At best, they existed to be slaves of Israel. So it's not not a lot of loving your neighbor there. Uh, he continues, to people who could think like that, it was incredible that the grace and the glory of God were for the Gentiles. In the ancient world, the barriers were complete. No one had ever dreamt that God's privileges were for all people. And it was to Paul that, uh, that God revealed that. Gentiles were so hated that, that, that it was actually, when Paul advocated for them, it landed him in jail. Uh, in, this, in this passage, it says that he was in prison on behalf of you Gentiles, um, Paul's assertion of a grace-based, law-free gospel that was available to Israel and to the Gentiles led to his arrest in Jerusalem, Caesarea, and Rome. His advocating for this people group and their inclusion as the people of God repeatedly got this dude in prison. Not a lot of love there. Okay, let's... um. There are other mysteries. And just just follow with me. We're just going to do just kind of a quick tour through some of the rest of the Old Testament so you can get a feel for what some of these other mysteries are. Uh, in Romans 11.25, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening in heart has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay, so this is one of the mysteries. And we could do a whole sermon just on this verse, all right? Um, but, but if you look at Romans 9, 10, 11, what it appears to say is that Israel, as the people of God, and church as the people of God, uh, just how they're two, they're, they're two different groups, how they both have promises. Some of the promises to, to both are, are still to be uh, to fulfill. And for whatever, you know, the, the, the word of God came first to Israel, and they dropped the ball. They, they failed to listen and to obey, and so as far as the gospel advancing around the world, they kind of metaphorically got placed at the end of the line. And, of course, that unleashes a whole bag of questions, but uh, it's just a fascinating verse. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Another mystery, going to another book, 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I tell you a mystery... We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Sleep is a, a metaphor for death. Christ is coming again. And not all of us will taste physical death. 1 Corinthians is also the book uh, that names us as servants of God, stewards of the mysteries. 1 Corinthians 4.1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mystery of God. 1 Corinthians 14.2. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. Um, Ephesians, the book that we're in now, uh, Ephesians 3.6, uh, this mystery that the Gentiles, our fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus th- uh, through the gospel. Uh, Ephesians 5.32 names another mystery concerning Christ and the church but he uses the the husband and wife as an example or as a metaphor. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Uh, He also asks for prayers, that they would be brave and bold in proclaiming the mystery. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul saw his work as an, as an evangelist, as an apostle. As proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. In my head, I always just sort of reduce that down to proclaiming the gospel. And kind of got lazy and dropped out the word mystery of the gospel. Uh, Colossians. Uh, Paul names a mystery there. Colossians 1.27. The glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, Later on, Colossians 2, knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. 2 Thessalonians, names another mystery. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Uh, This whole passage is talking about the Antichrist and the end times and, and how the Antichrist will be a puppet for Satan and he will proclaim to be God according to this passage he will proclaim to be God he will have power he will do false signs and wonders he will lead many people astray and eventually Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth Kind of a lot in those few verses um, but so the mystery that the lawness is at work, 1 Timothy takes a completely different approach uh, in contrast to 2 Thessalonians and talks about the mystery of godliness. And he's using it to describe Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.16, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifest in the flesh. He was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up. Uh, in fact, a few verses earlier, Paul's description of deacons to serve in the church is that they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Revelation names a couple mysteries. A couple of them are prophetic, um, but, but the one that I would just uh, uh, share with you today, Revelation 10.7, 10, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Most of the mysteries somehow revolve around Christ. Either Christ is the ministry, or the work of Christ is the ministry, or Christ living in you is is the mystery. Some mysteries are associated with his coming, right? Like the partial hardening of of Israel, lawlessness at work. But the key thing that I would draw your attention to is that the revelation of these mysteries has been entrusted to our care. And their continued revelation is one of the key things that describes us as a church. So, mysteries. Who knew, right? So much good stuff, all in one word. Okay, that was for free. Uh, Moving on. Uh, In Ephesians, we're back in Ephesians now. Thanks for going on that that tour with me. Ephesians 3, verses 7 to 9. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. for some reason, there's there, there's kind of a, a reluctance to enter in the ministry or, or, or to enter uh, in, into a pastoral role, which, which is too bad. I just somehow along the way got kind of a not-so-favorable reputation. Um, I'm enjoying it, though, so don't get worried. Um, but Paul says that for him, to be a minister of God's grace, you see how how, how he describes it? calls it a gift it, it was given to him not imposed, not forced not not earned but given it was grace given to him to have this honor and privilege not for earthly gain but but just to be part of something so much bigger to be part of something that lasts for centuries upon centuries and and into eternity. God lets us partner with Him to see His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's an opportunity. It's a gift. For me to be your pastor is a gift to me. Not because of you, but because of God. I mean, you're nice, but really, I mean, it's because of God. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to... To the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. Continuing on, next verse, version uh, verse three ten, the one that kind of started this whole thing. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now may, might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in, in the heavenly places. One of my questions on this was, I mean, so rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. At first, I assumed that this was a a proclamation to the enemy of God, right? Because later on in, in Ephesians six twelve, he uses similar terminology to describe the enemy of God. He says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." So I kind of work that backwards and assume that this revelation was to to God's enemy. Now I I'm not so certain. Uh, if, if you look at verse 9, um, it says, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. And, and when I read that, it, to, to me, I kind of get the feel that that no one knew the plan. That, that it was secret that God kept him to himself and that one day that he would redeem all men who accept his offer. And it, I, I don't have a solid answer on this other than to just say for me it it suggests, emphasis on the word suggests, in my notes it's written in all capitals, suggests, that when Christ died on the cross, that when he did what he did, when, when, when the temple curtain was torn in two, that it was revealed that all men had the opportunity to be reconciled with God, that the entire angelic community was surprised. And I don't know what they do when they're surprised, like kind of what that looks like for them, but they just, they all did it. It just, it caught them all off guard. So it, I mean, it could go either way. Um, I would emphasize though too that I think this, this sentence is descriptive of something that happened but not necessarily prescriptive of how we should behave. In other words, it's telling us, it's informing us, it's not necessarily commanding us. So um, here, here is actually what I take away from, from this verse, what I consider to be Im- important out of this, is that first of all, the entire angelic community is watching what you do and how we function as a team how we function as a church reflects back on God, good or bad. Not just to people on earth, but also to the angelic community, whatever that looks like. And secondly, that the spiritual realm is actually more real than the physical realm. That everything you see now will one day be be destroyed. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And that heaven is going to be more real, more alive, more vibrant, more exciting, more aware, more energetic, more peaceful, more calm, more amped up than anything we have ever experienced on earth. And know that if you work to build your own kingdom here on earth, you will be forced to leave your kingdom here on earth. But if you orientate your life to expand God's kingdom, you will experience the rewards of that. Uh, Steve, in his in his email back to me, to, and I, I had heard him talk about this before, but uh, he included in his email. Um, just a little bit of background on Steve's uh, previous ministry. He had, uh, for a long time, when the Iron Curtain was still up in Russia, he worked for years going through Russia... Uh, telling um, uh, the Jews, uh, you know, that an opening is about to happen. You have to get ready to go back to Israel. And when the Iron Curtain lifted, he did a lot of work uh, in organizing ships and planes and other stuff to to bring people from Russia back into Israel. And it was all, I mean, God arranged donors for all of it. He didn't pay for anything. Uh, I mean, ships, like every week, were coming out of Russia uh, full of the Jewish people back into Israel, and none of them had to pay for any of it, and so... And, and this was all kind of God's doing. It was pretty pretty remarkable. But he included this in his email. But just, just listen for kind of that, that kingdom orientation. He writes, What drove the KGB crazy about me was that they could not find one concrete thing I had in this world. They couldn't find any organization I had, no bank accounts, no fleet of ships or airplanes I was going to use to get the Soviet Jews home to Israel. A KGB agent got saved in a meeting I was speaking at in Finland and told me I had the best-kept secret in the world. My portfolio was given to every KGB agent in the world so they could find something I had built in this world. They found nothing because I don't work in the scene realm. I saw the file they had on me. Every flight I was to be on, my daughter's middle names, unlisted and unpublished telephone numbers, where I was speaking, but they couldn't find anything Because there was nothing, and they were afraid of me. The whole KGB. Some people want to build something that they, but really others, can touch in this world so they are remembered. Not me. I want only what my heavenly Father can see. Paul understood this unseen realm and waited for his reward as he told Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith, for there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The heavenlies are watching you. And how we work as individuals and as a team gets reflected back on God, good or bad. Fourth part of this passage, uh, Ephesians 3, verses 11 to 13. This was according to the uh, eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. If if uh, if an individual of uh, power, of influence, uh, uh, you know, like let's say the governor of Nebraska is on the other side of a closed door, security all around, you would not just walk in and you know start blabbering about your life I mean you you don't know the guy he doesn't know you Uh, so not only does security have a problem with it but relationally it's just awkward because who are you just random weird guy telling me things but if the governor of Nebraska was a friend of yours a good friend or, or even a family relative there would be nothing out of the ordinary for you to simply walk in and just start talking and talking about your life and cracking lame jokes. I mean there's just there's there's familiarity, there's friendship, there's fellowship that exists between the two of you, regardless of his position, regardless of your position. God the Father is accessible to us. But through Jesus according to this verse we have boldness and we have confidence and because of the boldness and the confidence that jesus gives us it changes our access or the way that we approach the lord it's not stiff it's not formal there's freedom there's familiarity there is fellowship you get to walk in past security and just start rambling on about your day and he will listen at some point you should listen to him too but you know, you can do that. Your identity in Christ gives you boldness and confidence in your access to God the Father. So, we've been looking at this this whole section through the lens of of identity and and how does it affect your identity? Um, and we have this delightful revelation into the significance of the mysteries in the Gospel of Christ, um, but but. But for today, I mean, for the lens that we're looking at, you and I are stewards, caretakers of the mysteries of God. And the revelation of those mysteries, all of them, several get mentioned, the revelation of those mysteries is one of our tasks. What a remarkable thing when you entrust someone with your secrets, I mean, how does that affect your identity when someone says, I've been keeping this secret for ages, i.e. millennia upon millennia. I've been keeping this secret for ages. Now I need to get the word out. So I'm going to entrust that into you. I mean, how did... That is a remarkable statement about our identity, that he that he uh, entrusts these mysteries to us. Um... And all of this is a gift. That was the second thing that we looked at. To be able to work alongside Jesus is a gift to us. It it was an act of benevolence, of love, of generosity. This is something that is in your favor. It is a gift to you. And all the heavenlies are watching. You're kind of on display. Physically and spiritually. Maybe that's more intimidating than encouraging. I'm not sure, but kind of part of our reality, so you should be aware of it. And lastly, just the boldness and the confidence that he gave us, which affects our access to God the Father. Amen. Lord, you, uh, you reveal amazing things to us time and time again. And your scripture is so full of truth and goodness and wonder and amazement. And Lord, we say it's just a gift to be able to study it in community and with freedom. And Lord, I pray that as we have studied our identity in you, that you would be working a great work in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. That for all those who listen, that you would be changing us. That if we have thought patterns that are, that are incorrect or unhealthy or based on lies, that you would strike those down and extract those now in the name of Jesus. That any lies that exist in our life would be revealed for what they are and that you would replace them with your truth as we study your truth in Ephesians and, and how it is that, that you view us. Your generosity is so immense and your delight to give gifts to us is beyond our understanding, Lord. You have entrusted us with a great thing, with these mysteries, and Lord, at the end of days, we want to be found faithful for all that you have entrusted us. And we recognize that ignorance is no excuse. Everything is here in the book; is our responsibility to know it and to live it. Lord, we ask for your for your leadership, for your voice, for your wisdom at time, your correction and your discipline that we would be faithful stewards of these mysteries. Amen.
2: Would you stand as we sing Channels Only. Let's be faithful to God as we go out and live our life for Him.